Nexus Church is all about cultivating an authentic Christian community where old and young alike journey with Jesus and are transformed by the gospel. May we be challenged and inspired by the power of His Word. How jealous are you of musicians that can play every instrument? <laughs> by the way, yeah. It's, yeah, it's such a good thing. Anyway, back on track. So tonight, um, as, as I was preparing this message, I, I wasn't sure which verse I wanted to land in, but I kind of knew, I had an inkling of what I wanted to talk about, and that was the idea of foundations. And so I started reading the scriptures, and I landed on one, I started studying that one, and I went, nah, no deal. And then I found this other one we're going to land in tonight, but I, I want to I go here first. You know, we all go through different seasons of life, and, and across the board at the moment, I think that people would say they're feeling tired. I think that people would say they're a bit worn out. Maybe life's been throwing them some curveballs, and as pastors, we get the privilege of sitting with people in their highs and lows, and if I'm honest at the moment, there's more lows than highs that are going on for people. And so I just want to ask a few questions, and if this resonates with you, then I've got good news for you tonight. So for some of you, maybe you feel like you're on the verge of a crisis. Why do I always feel like I'm on the verge of a crisis? Or why do I always feel like bad things happen to me? Why do I feel like as soon as a a trial comes or a storm comes, that I just get flattened out? Or maybe you feel like you just, um, you run, you're constantly running from things that are, that are happening to you. And these are all things, maybe you've searched it in scriptures, maybe you've searched it on podcasts, you've probably Googled it, and it's, you kind of, do you catch my grift, the, the drift, the questions that you might be asking, that life's hard and I feel like I'm copping it all. We go through different seasons of life like that. I've, I, I kind of, um, I'm not superstitious, I'm not even going to say your little phrase, um, I'm not superstitious, but I've realized that the worst seasons in my life, I've tried to grow a beard. And so now, it's just not going to happen. There was a reason God didn't let my beard join to my sideburns, and it's because he was giving me a warning. But you can go through these seasons, and, and I want to tell you tonight, I have an answer for you. I want to tell you, I've got a solution for you. And it's not just around about this might work. If we believe the words of Jesus, this is a sure thing. And so if that's you tonight, if you feel like you're coming up against it, if you feel like you're constantly failing or running for the fear of failure, I have an answer for you tonight. And I pray that you go out of here encouraged, knowing that there's a way and that you're not going to get flattened anymore. You know, the passage we're going to be reading is in uh, the book of Luke, and this is just at the end of, uh, it's what, what's called the Sermon on the Plain. Uh, no, not a Qantas plane, the service Sermon on a Plain. For, for Luke, it could have been, and scholars talk about different things, won't stay here long, but it may have been the Sermon on the Mount, and he's adapted it for his Gentile audience. He might have re-preached it to another group, all these different things. Essentially, Jesus is preaching a word to a group of people, his followers, with some keys to life. And I want to land on the last little bit of it because it basically throughout this message, he talks about flipping all the rules of life on their head, like blessed are the poor. He talks about loving those who don't deserve it. He loves about not judging those who maybe do deserve it. And then he talks about fruit, good fruit and bad fruit. And then he goes into this next bit. And I believe in this passage, there's two roadblocks here that we encounter as Christians that are real uh, roadblocks of discipleship that stop us in our journey and cause us to feel like the whole world is against us. 
So before we jump into all of it, Luke 6, I'm not going to read all of it, I'm just going to read the first two verses, Luke 6, 46 and 47. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. So he's about to then tell us. We'll get there soon. But the reason I'm not going there yet is I want to work our way through discipleship. So discipleship, I believe, happens in in three quick movements. You approach Jesus, you hear the words of Jesus, and then you put the words of Jesus into action. So there's two points there that you can have a roadblock. And for the first one, approaching Jesus. You're all here. You're here tonight. This is, this is our version of approaching Jesus. Obviously, we can't follow him up a mountainside and, and sit at his feet and hear his teaching. As the church, this is how we do it. We, we gather as a group of believers and we approach him because we want to we hear what he has to say. We want to hear what his word has to say. And so you're already doing the first bit. You're approaching Jesus. Well done. Tick. First one. And all throughout the gospel, like this is, I think this is what's amazing about the message of Jesus is it has been relevant. And it has been enticing for people throughout generations. And not just a certain type of person. You have a look at, he had outcasts. They loved him. They flocked to him because they were going to get healed. The demon possessed, they went to him. Even though that, surely that's a barrier, but they went to him because they wanted to hear the words of Jesus and they wanted healing. The poor, they flocked to him, but it didn't stop there. The elite, they went to him as well. Zacchaeus, he was well off. He was short, but he was well off. And then you had the rich young ruler who we've been looking at in our series in What Must I Do? He was rich, he was young, and he was a ruler. He was doing all right. He was the elite. And all through this we see, and everything in between, people flocked to Jesus. And that's what we're all doing here tonight. We're approaching Jesus. So, tick, well done. Then we come to the first roadblock. And that's that we approach Jesus, but we don't hear Jesus. So we go to him, but we don't actually hear the words that he has to say. Uh, when Ray and I were over in, in Italy, we were, this was before COVID, obviously, because uh, I've been here, so that makes sense. But we're over in Italy, and, and I had on my list of things to do, and, and we both did just go see Pompeii. And it happened to fall on my birthday, which was a really good thing because I was like, I don't know what I want to do for my birthday. Let's go to Pompeii. This will be fantastic. I didn't know heaps about it. I knew it was like a, a village that had been flattened by a volcano. And this day, so we were staying um, basically in this other place. We had to catch a train through to Pompeii and it was so hot. It was disgustingly hot. And so we hopped on this train. And we're like, okay, this will be good. We'll go there for my birthday. It'll be, it'll be a great day. We're catching the train and there's these local kids that are just, they're just, they're train kids. You know what I mean? Train kids. I don't feel like I have to say anything else. You just know. They catch the train a lot. They think it's their car. They think it's their transport. They're just train kids. But I don't know the words they're saying because I don't speak, I don't speak much Italian. Um, I, don't, I speak a little bit of Italian. Um, not very much, no. I just adapt Spanish, which I can only speak two sentences of, but it's all good. Anyway, there's these kids there, and I'm like, okay, this isn't going as I planned. Like, I thought this would be a beautiful train ride through the Amalfi Coast down to Pompeii. We arrive in Pompeii, and it is sweltering hot. It's disgusting. There are people everywhere, and anyone who knows me, if there's lots of people, I'm not in my happy place. And apart from now, obviously, good to be here. It's good to see you all. Um, but there's so many people there, and I was like, oh, man, Pompeii, bring another volcano. Like, there's too many. No, no, that's not what I meant. Um, 
And so uh, we're like, okay, what do we do? Everywhere that we traveled, we're kind of, I like figuring it out as I go a little bit. And, and I also am really afraid of being scammed to the point that I think everybody is trying to scam me. And so at the entrance to Pompeii, there's all these different people like yelling at us saying, come be a part of my tour. I'll tell you how it's all going and we'll give you these little headsets and you can, you can listen to it even. You don't have to walk with us. You just follow. It's like a guided tour with these headsets. And to me, I was like, nah, it's a scam. Absolute scam. We'll be right. I know a little bit about Pompeii. Let's go through and I'll, I'll do the tour. Like, I'll, I'll let you know what's going on. Anyway, needless to say, Pompeii was quite boring. Because I didn't actually know anything about Pompeii. It was just lots of these ruined bathhouses. And at the time when we were there, I was like, it's so weird, they just loved baths. But since I found out, it was kind of a perverted village and it was not the nicest place. So I would have known that if I was on the tour. And there were all these other interesting things we found out after about rocks and uh, anyway, all this stuff. So it was horrible. It was not a good time because I approached Pompeii, but I didn't hear the words that I needed to hear about Pompeii to give it context and to give it meaning. And, and this for many of us is what we do with Jesus. We think if I just approach Jesus, if I'm here, I'll just catch it. I'll just catch Christianity. I'll just, I'll just catch the gospel. And maybe for you, you, you come to church for a different reason. Maybe you're here for the company. Your mates come along and you're like, yeah, I'll come along and we'll have a good time. Maybe you're here for the food. I heard it was delicious food last week, thanks to Phil. And Peter did a fantastic job with Bogan Trivia. Thank you, my friend. And you might be here for different reasons, but the truth is you need to be here to hear the words of Jesus. It's not enough to just approach him. You need to make an effort to hear. And, and to be honest, I think there's, so this is roadblock number one, and then we've got roadblock A and B in roadblock number one. So I, there's lots of ways that stop us from hearing, but I want to focus on two particularly that as Christians we can, we can come in contact with that can prevent us from hearing the words of Jesus. The first one is that we can become desensitized to the message. And I think this is huge. This is a massive one for us as Christians, especially if you've grown up in church. You've heard it all before. This is why I haven't read this passage yet, because as soon as I read it, you'll switch off because you're like, yeah, I've heard that. I know this. I know this passage. And you can become desensitized to it. Af did a fantastic job of announcements, but I think if I did a pop quiz right now to ask you details or even what the announcements were, you'd struggle because we hear announcements every week and we become desensitized to it. Let me illustrate it in a different way. There's something that we do or some of us do regularly and we become desensitized to a message that is so important. And that's the safety message that they give on a plane before takeoff. Think about it. This is a piece of metal flying 30,000 feet in the air. There's someone in our aisle telling us what to do if you're going to crash and die and you're just putting your headphones on because we feel like we've heard it before. What if the plane actually went down? Like maybe that's when they need to do the emergency message. As the plane goes down, as the oxygen comes down, they're then hanging in the aisles trying to be okay through the turbulence. At that point, we're going to listen, right? Because then the message has meaning for us. Then the message actually carries weight. And this can be the same for the words of Jesus. So does the way we listen actually reflect how, we, how much we truly believe something? And that's one for us all to consider. Like if, 
if we really believe this stuff about Jesus, if we believe He is who He says He is, and if we are actually giving our lives to Him, don't His words matter? Shouldn't His words land for us? Let's not wait till we're going to crash. The second one, and this is a word that gets thrown around so often, I think now more than ever, or not actually, but I'll get that to in a moment, but the word distracted. We talk about at the moment being in the age of distraction. We talk about our phones, that we're constantly distracted. There's entertainment everywhere. We can't concentrate. And we almost use it as an excuse that we are distracted constantly. Even our campaign for church, you would have seen it on Nipe's shirt, was wonder. And we've got to do that. We've got to put our devices down and get out into nature. But I want to encourage you, if you're struggling with the idea of being distracted, can I tell you that research shows that we are built for distraction? that we are naturally distracted, and this is not the age of the age of distraction. There's actually been four more, four previously. So if you'd come a walk with, for a walk with me through history, uh, let's, let's take a walk through the ages of distraction. <laughs> Love a little bit of history. All the history buffs just perched up in their seats. They're listening now, aren't you? 469 BC to 399 BC. Yeah, Pompeii and now history. I'm killing it. How good. You know, you're at church, we're talking about history. So, 469 BC, so this is before Jesus, there's a famous philosopher named Socrates, and he had a student named Plato, names you've probably heard, famous philosophers, and this was the same time that the Greek alphabet was invented and writing began. Socrates never wrote a single word down. In fact, he said we shouldn't. He said that writing will ruin us. He said that that will ruin the generation of ideas in our minds and it'll simplify us and it'll, it'll simplify the complexity and the flow of our brains. Sound familiar? 1440, Johannes Gutenberg invented the printing press. All German names must start high and end low. Gutenberg. Um, he invented the printing press. So up to this point, it was only scribes that wrote. So they worked for the state and they worked for the church and they would write everything down. He then invented the printing press and, and the church and the state, they weren't very happy with this because previous to this, they had control of the information that was written. And they feared that this movable type would diminish the mind and dilute the power of elite society. A monk wrote, printed books will never be the equivalent of handwritten manuscripts because he thought that his, the scribes would be a lot more diligent than the printers. Let's move a little bit more forward. It's all right. Those who aren't interested in history, we're getting there. 1760 to 1840. Between this time was the Industrial Revolution. So the printing press then became a machine. And all of a sudden, this is key because at, up to this point, the only people that owned books were the wealthy. And so people were cracking the sads about this because if we can print the books, do you know what that means? That means poor people could have books as well. And they actually said that, that novels were, were almost like video games today. They were vilified. They thought they would make people antisocial and violent and, and all of these things. So much so that they would actually sew these little pockets in their jackets to hide their novels because they were so frowned upon. And then we come to today. There's obviously other things between, but now we're in the age of technology. Now we have our phones, we've got our tablets, our computers, our TVs, all these things and at times, I think we blame them for how distracted we are. And we almost use it as a, as a crutch to, to limp on and be like, well, I can't listen because I'm distracted because of my devices. All through history, people have been distracted. 
Our brains zoom in and out of focus four times a second, four times. As I'm speaking, you've thought about what you're doing tomorrow. You've thought about what you're going to eat after this, especially now I've said it. The biggest one in church, as soon as I invite the team up, all of you go, you look across or this way. People walk up and then the guitarist plugs that first chord in. You're like, oh, I wonder what that one does. Plugs the next one in. You're like, oh, I wonder what that one does. And you're watching them. Then you watch Josh appear on the drums. You're like, oh, I wonder what he's going to do over there. And we're just constantly distracted. And this is why we struggle to hear, because we're distracted. And I'm not going to tell you you can, you can get rid of that, because we're built for distraction. But this is what's important. When words are important to hear, we need to work hard to listen to them. And so when we're in church, if we believe the words of Jesus are important, we need to do what we can to engage with those words. Something I encourage you to do, when a person steps up here to preach, say a little prayer. Oh, no, I won't sing it. But say a little prayer and just say, like, Lord, let me focus. Lord, open my ears to hear the things that my heart needs. Let me hear the words that I need for my life. And, and don't let it stop there, Lord. Pray for yourself. Pray for the preacher. And that will help you engage. The other one, there's a quote that says, revived hearts result in scribbling hands. And that means if you're following Jesus, if you want more of him, you're not just going to sit and think your brain can take it in because it can't. You're going to sit there and you're going to write notes. You're going to chuck it in your phone. You're going to say, yes, I need to reflect on that this week. I need to remind myself of that. And so that's a way that we can engage. And do that. Reflect on it later. Even if you don't agree with the word. If you don't like what I'm saying up here, that's cool. I'm reading from a scripture. Go back and read the scripture. Do your own research. Reflect on it. These words are important because they're the words of Jesus. So the second one, don't let it stop at hearing. We approach Jesus, then we hear his words. That's the first roadblock that we don't hear. The next roadblock that we hit is that we hear it, but we don't do it. I think this is the one where we need to land tonight. So I'm going to jump back into Luke. It says this in Luke 6, 46 to 49. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. So, Lord is the language of a disciple. So, this phrase, Lord, Lord, that they're saying, that's not just Lord, that's, that's an allegiance. That's an affinity of a, a very strong allegiance to Jesus. And they're saying, Lord, Lord. But then he's saying, but what are you doing about it? Are you going to do something? You know, what he does is he, he presents essentially the, um, it's, I think, the inspiration for, I think it's Rest Super, the compare the pair ad that you see on TV. You know, the, this one. Because what he does is he presents two people. Two people, same, same people. They hear the same words, same house. <laughs> yeah. Same house. And this is the important one. Same storms. So the same storm hits both house. This person, this person over here is the one that's going up the elevator. This is the one that did what he heard. This one, or going up on the back of the truck, you know that, and the other one. This one, 
doesn't do what he heard. And then the ad says, compare the pair. This house stands because they did what the word said. And this house is flattened because it was just words. Compare the pair. Rest super. And then, and then um, what is it? Past experience is not a little bit. But I knew the first past and after that I had no idea what they say. But this is where, for ourselves, we need to compare the pair. And again, I come back to that initial question. I might be sitting with you and you're saying, I feel like my life is just constantly falling apart. I feel like I can't get ahead. I feel like I'm failing constantly. I feel like everywhere I turn, stuff just turns to dust. I feel like I'm running because I'm so afraid to fail. Can I tell you, and these are the words of Jesus, this is the guy we believe in, this is the guy that we trust in, so his words are good enough. He tells us that if you do what I tell you to do, you are like a man building a house on the rock. When a flood arose, the stream broke against that house. It could not shake it because it had been well built. You know, every time that you put the words of Jesus into action, you're digging. You're digging deep. You're digging down and you're, you're going deeper and deeper to find the rock. Because can I tell you, if you're building your house just flat on the ground, I see Jesse here. He knows about building because he's a builder. That makes sense. This, and I feel like building is the perfect analogy for this because it's about building, so that, that makes a lot of sense. But if you put this in a modern context, an apprenticeship, you don't just go to TAFE and then you know how to build a building. With an apprenticeship, you go to TAFE maybe one day a week or two days, and then you're back with your builder putting that into action, and that's when you're learning how to build a house. You see, the words of Jesus aren't get help words. They're not fancy things you can chuck on your fridge, chuck on your phone to encourage you and make you feel good about yourselves. These are things to live our life by because he wants us to be grounded. He wants our houses to stand. He doesn't want you to feel flattened. He doesn't want you to feel like you're going from crisis to crisis. Now, it's important to mention, so we've just come through uh, the What Must I Do series. And that was all about, the question is actually not what must I do, but what must I lose? And this isn't in contradiction to that. I need to tell you that if you hear the words of Jesus and don't do them, I believe, well, he says to his disciples that belief in him is what gives us salvation. But I think what he's doing is he is giving us the keys to live this side of eternity. That's what we need. I feel like that's what you're searching for. When you call your pastor and you're like, I need to speak I need to talk about these things. It's because you're struggling this side of eternity. Rarely are we sitting with you going, I'm really struggling with the concept of heaven. I'm really struggling with whether my house in heaven is going to be okay. It's what you're dealing with this side of eternity. And that's why Jesus is saying, put it into action. We've got to do it. You need to approach Jesus. You need to hear his words. You need to put the effort in to hear those words. And then we need to do it. We need to put it into action. I mentioned it because it's important that we touch on the what must I do because it says it on the screen. But also, it's easy to hear a message like this and go, yep, just another moralistic message from church. You know, Jesus' followers, not just his disciples, but a large group of followers in John 6 asked him those exact words. They said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? 
And this answer is so profound and, and for someone here, you need to hear this because you're striving, you're working hard and you're, you're trying to gain your way to heaven. And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. You know, at the core of all this is belief in Jesus. The core of all this is believing in what he can do for you and what he's already done for you. Do you know what? Your salvation is assured. Your eternity is assured when you believe in him, when you trust in him. And he's asking you, like, that's cool. That bit's sorted. We're done. But now what are you going to do today? Because I've got plans for you. I've got purpose for you. I've got things that I want you to be doing. I've got people I want you to be impacting. And if you're just going from crisis to crisis and constantly feeling flattened, you're not going to be able to care for others. This is why we've got to do these things. So, why does your life keep falling apart? You're not actively putting the words of Jesus into action. It's a very simple answer. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but not sorry, because it's also simple tonight to go, I'm going to turn now, I'm going to give it a crack. I'm going to try this. Why not? What have you got to lose? Especially if you're in a season where you're growing a beard, where you, where you feel like everything's just turn into rubbish, where everything's falling apart. If you're in a season like that, jump into Luke 6 and read the Sermon on the Plain. Jump into Matthew 5 to 7. Read the Sermon on the Mount because Jesus lays it out. Those are his teachings. He's telling us these are your keys for life. These are your keys for this side of eternity. Put them into action. Approach him. Hear him. And now do those things. I invite the team to come and join me. I always leave it too late and then I've run out of my points. But I've done that on purpose because now we can all be very distracted and watch what they do. We can even ask them, what does that chord do? I believe one's for the guitar and one's for your ears. Yeah, very good. Uh, why don't you jump to your feet? <laughs> I do actually know where I'm going, but I just, yeah. We've removed the distraction. You know, tonight, I want to give you the opportunity to respond to this. This, this isn't, this isn't a um, response where I'm asking you to run to the altar. This is actually something that you can do and only you can do. You might notice that it doesn't say in that passage that, that God dug the foundations for him. It says that he dug deep. You know, he had the gumption. He made the decision to go, I need to put this into action. So tonight... I'm just asking you to make that commitment in your heart. Maybe it's just going, I'm sick of my house falling over. And I'm going to acknowledge that I've just been a hearer or I've just been an approacher. And that's okay. You're almost there. But we want so much more for you. So why don't you just uh, close your eyes for a moment. Invite the Holy Spirit to come and press those things upon your heart. Invite him to, to bring to mind those, those things he's asking of you. Maybe he's asking you to love your enemies. It's not maybe, he is. Or maybe this week you need to turn down the judgment levels a little bit and not be so judging of others. Maybe it's time to reflect on the fruit in your life and go, am I, am I bearing good fruit or am I bearing bad fruit? And come back to those key teachings of Jesus and go, you know what, Lord? 
I'm going to start digging. I'm going to start digging deep. I'm going to start putting my foundations into the rock because it's not enough for me to just hear anymore. It's time to do. It's time for this to be that moment. My paragraph ends and I start a new paragraph. And I go, Lord, now it's time for you to do your works. I believe in you. I believe what you've done for me. But now I'm going to trust you. Now I'm going to trust your words. And trust means I'm going to put them into action. So if that's you tonight, if you're, if you're saying, you know what, I'm going from hearing to doing, I just want you really simply to just chuck your hand on your heart. And that's a way of saying, I'm taking those words and I'm going to put them into action. I want to live the life that God has called me to, that Jesus has called me to. You know, I'm, I'm sick of just existing. I'm sick of going day to day, crisis to crisis. I'm going to give this a go. I'm going to test your words, Jesus. I'm going to put them into action. Lord, I thank you that you make a way for us. Lord, I, I thank you that, that you make it so clear for us in your words. And Lord, you just want the best for us. Lord, you do have great plans. Lord, you have such great plans and purposes for us. And so tonight we're saying words are not enough anymore. I'm going to put it into action. Lord, tonight I hear what you're saying and I'm going to give it a go. Lord, let my house be a house that stands firm when storms come. Lord, thank you that, that you don't block storms, but Lord, you give us everything we need to withstand storms. Lord, that we can outlast any cyclone. Lord, any crisis. Lord, any relationship breakdown. Lord, even the most crippling of anxiety and depression. Because our foundations are deep, our house will stand. Thank you, Jesus. You know, just in this moment, while your eyes are closed, I mentioned the, the idea of belief. You know, tonight, maybe you're here and you've been striving. You've been working hard. You've been trying to do it in your own strength. I want to tell you that can end tonight, that you can just step into his grace and into his mercy because God so loved the world that he sent his only son. He sent his son to die and to rise again so that you and I can have eternal life. And all he is asking of you is to step into that and to just say, Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe that you did that. I believe that you conquered death. I believe that the cross was not the end, but Lord, that your resurrection power is available right now, and I step into that. So if that's you tonight, if you need to step out and say, you know what, for the first time I'm saying I believe, I just want you to raise your hand. All the eyes, oh, everyone's eyes are shut. And that's just you acknowledging, you know what, I'm stepping out. This is my night to do that. This is my night to step in and say, I believe. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we're so thankful that you don't call us to a life of religiosity. Lord, we're so thankful that you don't give us hoops to jump through. But Lord, I thank you that we are all washed clean because of you. Jesus, we thank you that you are the King of Kings. You are the Lord of Lords. Lord, you are the Prince of Peace. We praise you, Lord.
We hope this message encouraged or perhaps even challenged you in your Christian faith. Our pastors meet regularly with people to pray and support them, and we extend this invitation to you. Please let us know if we can contact you to offer support. Simply call the office or visit nexuschurch.com.au.